Have you been encouraged by worship this morning? Amen. Uh, may, <laughs> and a heart attack up here. <laughs> um, we are glad that you guys are here to worship with us this morning. Uh, we have a special guest uh, all the way from the country of Rwanda. Uh, this is a missionary that we support. Uh, this is my brother in Christ. This is Pius. Uh, Pius, if you'll come forward at this time, uh, he is going to share with you his ministry and what God has called him to do in Rwanda. And then I'll come up and uh, speak a few words after he shares uh, what his ministry is. Uh, if you don't know much about Rwanda, uh, do yourself a favor, favor and Google and check out everything that's happened in the country of Rwanda. A big picture of God's redemption has taken place in that country. And so, uh, Pius, share with us what the Lord's doing in Rwanda. Hallelujah. Um, thank you, Pastor Jeff, uh, for the opportunity to share. And uh, thank you, uh, church, for having me. Um, I'm called Pius Nyakairo. Uh, I'm from Rwanda. Rwanda is in the uh, eastern part of Africa. Um, uh, the Lord has blessed me with a wonderful family. Uh, I have a wife and uh, four children, one girl and uh, uh, three boys. Um, and uh, they are a huge blessing from the Lord. So uh, I'm coming from a country that was dead one day. Uh, 28 years ago, our country was dead. But good news is that uh, our country has resurrected. Uh, those who have been there know what I'm talking about. If you come to Rwanda, you learn so many things about God's love, about God's power. So, and this is the evidence that our Lord is able to make a way where there is no way. Amen. He's mighty to save. Uh, 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 he can make things work. So uh, that's why we shall live just because he lives. Hallelujah. So uh, 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 I'm so grateful uh, to share with you uh, what the Lord uh, is uh, doing through our ministry. Uh, God has called us to reach uh, uh, people with the gospel. Among those people are the forgotten people. Uh, we are serving the Lord through the prisons of Rwanda. And uh, Rwanda, uh, uh, apart from the U.S., uh, I, I guess Rwanda is the second country uh, that has uh, overpopulated prisons. So uh, God has called us to reach every inmate with the gospel and uh, uh, lead them through uh, a life-changing connection with Jesus Christ. So uh, we do this through sharing the gospel, discipleship, uh, and other programs like uh, 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 victim offender mediation, uh, because sooner or later, these guys will go back to the community and uh, 
We want them to go back to the community as, you know, agents of change, as, you know, people who are transformed. And uh, we can uh, testify uh, uh, for this because we have seen God, you know, changing the hearts of people and, uh, 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 you know, they become uh, new. So uh, we, we, we are so grateful for what the Lord is doing. Uh, uh, we, we, we try to help people to realize uh, that uh, God loves them, even though they have sinned, even though they have committed crimes, but God still loves them. Amen. And uh, uh, we're trying to uh, help the victims of crimes uh, so that they can, uh, you know, accept what happened to them and uh, come to a place of forgiveness. So uh, what God is doing in Rwanda is just amazing. We have the perpetrators of the genocide and other crimes, and we have the victims, but now living together, uh, there is no hatred. You know, uh, uh, you, 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 uh, uh, we, we don't hate one another in Rwanda. You, you, you can't see this. Uh, uh, I was uh, uh, visiting one of the villages of reconciliation. We have villages we call villages of reconciliation, where the perpetrators live together with the victims. Uh, and uh, one lady was sharing with us, uh, uh, she was saying that uh, 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 their hearts have been transformed and uh, the, God has given them the courage and uh, 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 power to forgive those who uh, uh, you know, committed crimes against them. And uh, she said that this guy you see here is the one who killed my family members. But I have forgiven him. And every time I want to go somewhere, I leave my baby with this guy because I no longer see him as a killer. I have forgiven him. So I was together with uh, 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 friends of mine uh, from Denver. Uh, Colorado, and they broke into tears. They said, we can't understand this. The, we, we have never seen something like this. So Rwanda is a country that is full of lessons that the world need to learn. So uh, uh, we are also uh, helping children, uh, uh, especially uh, street children. Uh, we have learned so many things about uh, parental responsibilities and uh, what can happen when parents don't take seriously their responsibilities. We, we're learning a lot of things about love, about people, about selfishness. So uh, 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 as we, 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 help, we help these children, street kids, uh, to you know, uh, live this kind of life and reintegrate back into their families, uh, the Lord is teaching us uh, so many things.
So uh, uh, the, the root causes for this is a number of things, including uh, uh, broken relationships, you know, family relationships, including uh, violence, including abuse, including poverty. When children don't have something to eat today and tomorrow, the next day they go to the street. Uh, 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 the, the, some of them leave schools. Uh, uh, they, they, some of them go to school, and after school, they go on the street to look something for, to, to eat because they don't have something to eat at home. So uh, we, we, we're trying to see how we can solve the problem by empowering families because uh, 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 we can take the children from the street and uh, a few days later, they go back to the street because they face the same problems they were facing before. So we're trying to uh, see how we can empower families so that they can uh, take care of the, uh, the kids. So uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff and uh, uh, you know, some other individuals, Brock and your family, uh, for the support you know, uh, to the Street Kids program. Uh, uh, thank you so much. And uh, you, you can get involved. You can, you know, uh, uh, pray for us. You can uh, uh, come over and visit and encourage people. You can uh, you know, support in some other ways. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for what you're doing for the Lord. And um, thank you so much for participating in uh, what the Lord is doing for our country and for our people. May God bless you. Thank you. Well, that's encouraging. Amen. Can you imagine sitting across from your family members or from the person that killed your family members? And leaving your next child with them. Uh, if you don't understand the genocide and everything that took place within the genocide, uh, I challenge you to read up on it because uh, the way in which God healed that country is really incredible. And uh, every time I think about the ministry that Pius is a part of, uh, James chapter 1 and verse 27 come to mind, where he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And I think about the ministry of what they're accomplishing there. And I think of the widows that are being served. Uh, imagine a day or a, a week or month where the majority of men have killed each other within the same country. And imagine the widows that are left behind, uh, not able to provide for themselves, not able to take care of themselves. And so their ministry steps in a ton uh, with those widows, with the orphans that have come with that. And so I'm very thankful for his ministry. Uh, every time that I talk to him, this man is an encourager. And uh, it's neat to see he's active. He's not a guy that sits on his hands. He's continuing to do what God's called him to do. Uh, we support him as a church. I uh, would love to go visit him in the future and uh, be a part of his ministry there. Uh, but let me transition a little bit into the message this morning. And uh, can we take the ring out just a little bit? Thank you. 
um, if we go into this this morning, this is kind of a standalone message. And I want you to think of this question, am I in? Now, the question kind of comes with this to say, am I in? And when it comes to the church, when it comes to the ministry, when it comes to what God has called me to do, am I in? Now, you just heard the testimony of a guy that has devoted his whole entire life to serving the people within his country. If you were to ask Pius and say, are you in for the ministry in Rwanda? He would say, wholeheartedly with my whole life, with my whole family, this is what God has called me to do. And I think sometimes uh, we need to kind of understand what that entails. For some reason, uh, we have learned to be alone. Now, over the past couple of years with COVID and over the past uh, couple of years, we have learned that it's easier to be alone than to deal with the craziness of other people. Can I get an amen? And so we've kind of turned inwards. Uh, but when you think about this, how many, don't raise your hands, how many of you have felt alone at some point? You just feel like nobody is with you. Nobody is there to help. That this isolation and separation have become a part of that. Where feeling alone is kind of the norm. And some of the thoughts and some of the phrases that go with this are when you feel alone, you feel that you're not good enough, not talented, not important, that you don't really matter, that maybe your past is too bad and you're concerned about somebody finding out those things, or maybe you feel completely unworthy or that you don't know enough to be a part of something. But I think some people are on the opposite side. They feel these things that they can accomplish better on their own. Well, I'll do it by myself and I'll show everybody how it could be done or how it should be done. So we feel like we isolate and we go, I'm going to just grit it out. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish it. The reality is this. If we were to genuinely take the time to train others to help, we can accomplish so much more. Catch that. For some that have been working hard, for some that have been working isolated and alone, you need help around you. The greatest lie that's in church is this. If I were not here, it wouldn't matter. Listen, as I look around our crowd this morning, it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, this side was absent. A couple of weeks ago, this side was absent. And I don't know what you did with the people in the middle this morning, but they're absent this morning. So it's interesting that as we look around and look, sickness happens and life is busy and all those things. But for some reason, people within the church say, it doesn't really matter if I attend or if I go or I'm a part of it. Listen, that is a lie. It is important that you are here a part of what God is doing. The reality is this, when you miss, something does not get done. Someone does not get blessed and you stop growing. Do you realize that? And so it's interesting that in the trend of church and in the trend of how church has moved, in the early days when I was growing up, it was Everybody attended church together as a family, and that Sunday was sacred. 
There were no sports. There were very few restaurants that were open. There was nothing else that would take place. Does anybody remember those times or am I just that old? Okay. Now the mindset has changed where I'll go if there's really nothing else going on. I'll be a part of it. But listen, when you're not a part of the church, it is a detriment to the ministry here. When you isolate and you're alone, you have your own identity. Let me illustrate. Individually, my name is Jeff Hubbard, Jeffrey Scott Hubbard. That's my identity. That's uh, who I am. But as a family, as four of us, we are the Hubbards. Now think about this. I can accomplish a lot on my own. I'm just built that way. But I can wear down very quick if I'm doing that. But with my wife as a helpmate and my kids helping occasionally, (laughs) life gets a whole lot easier, right? Does anybody have that one kid that helps so much that you worry when they leave? (laughs) How are we going to? We'll just pay somebody, right? Together, we are so much greater. Individually, you are blessed, you are wonderful, and you are God's creation. But together, there's something different. And so let me illustrate this in groups of animals. Uh, The first one, an elephant is called an elephant, but a group of elephants is called a parade of elephants. Now, this is an interesting understanding because I don't really want to be a part of the parade, right? But together, one elephant is scary. Four of them, five of them running at you is completely terrifying, right? A group of lions is called a pride. Now, one lion is enough for me. I feel like I have a chance. But five, I'm done for. I'm going to curl up in a a ball and hope they do this quickly. A group of Cheetos, Cheetahs. Man, I messed up my joke. I was going to say a group of cheetahs is not a Cheeto. That's it. Let's start the whole sermon over. That was, that was funny in two different ways. A group of cheetahs is not Cheetos. It is a coalition of cheetahs. A group of crows is called a murder of crows. Imagine this. If these guys gang up at your house, somebody's going to die. It's considered a murder of crows. Together, they are way more intimidating, way more forceful. Individually, a hippopotamus, a group of hippopotamuses is called a boat of hippopotamuses. Now, That one doesn't make sense because I want no part of a boat full of hippopotamuses. Anybody with me? Now, this one's kind of creepy. Some of you cat people will understand. An individual cat. An individual is a cat. A group of cats is a glaring of cats. Can you imagine? Because they glare at you. They think less of you. Every cat that has ever glared at me thought they were more important than me. Can I just, can we agree on that? 
Maybe they are. Who knows? The fact is that individually each animal has one name, but together they have a whole new identity. A new understanding that I want us to have this morning. I want you to know that your individual name is a Christian, but the group of us together is the church. We are way more powerful. We are way more organized. We are way more impactful when we all work together for the same cause. Individually, you are a child of God, but together you are a movement of God. Look, the reality is that we are better together. I love that scripture gives us this clarity in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I love that when we come to this passage of scripture, it's probably uh, preached a ton, but very few genuinely understand the distinct nature of this passage of scripture. And so we understand that in scripture, there are many parts of the body. And I love what he says in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body, though many are one body, so as so it is with Christ Listen, we all have our own identity. We are all different. We all have different parts of this. But to understand being a part of the body of Christ, we have to understand what it means to place our faith and trust in him. This is the beginning point. This is how you become part of the family of God, by simply placing your faith and trust in Christ. The interesting thing is up to that point, you are separated from God and you are alone. But as soon as you are a part of the family of God, he gives you brothers and sisters in Christ to help you through life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a loving God that genuinely cares for you, that genuinely wants you to grow. So together we are his body. To understand this in a little bit of uh, individual kind of understanding. He says, our hands are to serve, our feet are to go, our mouth is to share, our heart loves. Listen, some of you are the hands, some of you are the feet, some of you are the mouth, and some of you are the heart that's behind this church. You are valuable in what God has given you as a gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14 through 17, we see kind of a conflict between the many members. Every part matters. And he goes into this. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Paul's explanation here, and we'll take the second illustration that's put here, is that the ear is jealous of the eye. Now, can I do something a little bit weird? Can you look at the ears of the person that's next to you? Just go ahead, check them out. Do you know what's crazy? Is if I were to ask you to look at the eyes of the person that's next to you, you would be way more creeped out. Because our eyes reveal. Here's some fun facts. Okay, listen, I have the flappiest earlobes of anybody that I know. 
okay? It's how God has designed me. It's a part of me. Now, my eyes are completely different. Now, it's funny, my eyes, other than seeing them in the mirror, have never communicated back and forth. It's interesting for that. But here's a fun fact. Maybe this is why the ear was jealous of the eye. No one in love ever stares longingly into the ear. Right? The eye doesn't look at the ear, or the phrase doesn't go this way. Beauty is in the ear of the beholder. (laughs) How many of you just feel weird right now? Like people are looking at your ears. The understanding is this. Each part serves a massive part. Look, imagine not being able to hear people talk. It's funny that I'm glad that the eye and the ear don't fight back and forth. And the ear doesn't look at the eye and go, did you hear that? And the eye doesn't look at the ear and go, man, you missed that sunset. Describe it to me. (laughs) It was pretty. (laughs) Man, it's crazy that we think that certain parts are more important Do you know what the most important part of your body is? The whole thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 22 lays this out. He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Have you ever stubbed your pinky toe? 95% of your life, you don't think about your pinky toe until it hits the headboard. And then you become closely associated with it and you have to pray for forgiveness for the words that you said. It's crazy how that works. Do you know that your pinky, 50% of your hand strength comes from your pinky? That's crazy. Sometimes I've looked at this finger and wondered why it existed. 50%. Your uvula, which is the dangly thing in the back of your throat, it's kind of gross. Over a lifetime, secretes enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. That's what it does for you. Now, how many of you have ever looked in the mirror and said, thank you for working, uvula? It's not one of those things that we go to over and over. But it is important and indispensable when it comes to the body. So let me tie this in as we close. Your value. You are called, chosen, capable, and invaluable to God's work. Listen, it does not matter what part you are, if you are the eye or the ear or the pinky toe or the big thumper toe. You are important to God. Don't believe the lie that you're not. Look for the area that you're called, the gifts that you've been given to use your ability The reality is this, the church is suffering because you are not active 
If you are not engaged, listen to this. If you are not engaged in serving, someone is not getting served in the ministry. If you are not involved in loving, someone is not getting loved in the church. If you are not involved with giving, the ministry is not getting done. The reality is this, something that God wants to be done is not getting done because of your inactivity. The rest of the body of Christ is working harder to accomplish the ministry because you're not getting involved. Until you begin to identify the body part that you function as and fulfill the ministry that God has placed on your heart and the gifts that he's given you, there will be a gap in this church. For far too long, we've been believing the lie that says, it doesn't matter if I'm there. It doesn't matter if I go. It doesn't matter if I'm a part of it. It doesn't matter. And I tell you, it does. I want you to dream with me for just a second. Imagine that if everybody in this church, all 180 to 200 of us that there are right now, took seriously the call that God has placed on each of our lives. We began to grow together because community groups and life groups are that, that part that help you understand where you fit and where you belong. And look, we're at about 10 to 15% involvement in those right now. We need to be at 80 to 90%. You say, Jeff, it's an hour earlier. We give you donuts. What more can we do? I don't know. I don't, I don't like how Barry teaches, or I don't like how Doc teaches, or I don't like how Gary teaches. Or, sounds like you got a problem with teaching, not with those individuals. Man, what if people actually get to know me and know that I'm not perfect? <laughs> we already knew. <laughs> Man, that's a big commitment. Two and a half hours at church for your whole week. I guarantee you, you spend two and a half hours on your phone. Two and a half hours watching a TV show. If you watch the Georgia games, longer than that. And I'm telling you, the church is lacking because of your lack of participation. One of the things that keeps us from joining a group of people and being a part of the family of God is for some reason our past gets in the way. Your past should not keep you from being a part of the body. Look, every one of us carries sin baggage. 
Listen, last week I had the opportunity to share my testimony at a funeral that I don't share very often. As I stood at Strickland's and encouraged those individuals that were sitting in that room that they didn't have to struggle with drug addiction anymore because God cured me of it 21 years ago. You could almost see the hope begin to come into their hearts and their life. Look, the reality is, if we were basing this ministry on pasts, I would not be your pastor. If cell phone cameras existed during my high school, I would not be your pastor. Our pasts don't define us. Start from here and begin to take each step forward. Let me close with this. If you're on the verge of coming out of seclusion and aloneness, hopefully these final words will help you. Your story matters. It's interesting that we want to hide all of the problem areas and hide all of the mistakes that we've made. Scripture teaches the exact opposite. Can you imagine Moses being transparent going, hey, I know I'm going to lead you out of Israel. and I'm going to go to Pharaoh on behalf of you, but I need you to know I killed a guy in cold blood. And they go, sweet, can you go quicker? None of them looked at Moses and said, hey, I don't think he should be doing it because he's a bad person. They looked at him and said, please, on behalf of us, rescue us. I promise you the world that's out there is not looking at your resume. They're looking to see whether or not you will go to them. Your story matters. Your gifts matter. Do you realize that God has designed you perfectly complete in his image? Look, some of you have so many gifts that God could be using and you're sitting on them. The reality is this, not everybody's gift is to be a pastor. Not everybody's gift is to stand up here. My gift is not to go to Rwanda and do that ministry because God has trained and equipped Pius way better than he would for me. Do you know that the people of Rwanda look at him with a voice and, a, and a, his eyes of understanding? He was present 28 years ago when all of this took place. Your gifts matter. Your voice matters. Realize when you speak, somebody is listening on the other side. Your words matter. How you speak matters. Your generosity matters. How you give, it affects the ministry of the church. Your encouragement matters. Final challenge, stop going through life alone.
and be an active part of the church. Look, I know sometimes it's vulnerable to get with people. Look, the reality is, let me just be super transparent with you. The scariest group for me to lead in this whole entire church is first through fifth graders. Those kids scare me to death. You have no idea what question they're going to ask. You have no idea what they're going to say. But this morning, I praise the Lord that there's people that are gifted speaking to, loving on, and caring for first through fifth graders. Look, stop going through life alone and begin to be an active part of the church. Look, the reason that this message is attached to Pius's testimony is because this is how we function in missions. Could Pius come here and start a church in Pooler? He could. It's not the best use of his gifts. The best use of his gifts are having a catch-up school, working with orphans, working with reconciliation, working with prisoners. Look, I'm jealous of Pius because of he still has all of his hair and he's a good-looking guy. But I'm thankful for his ministry to the people of Rwanda. He does something that I could never do. The same is true of you sitting in your chair. You can reach a group of people that I could never walk in the doors with. Would I talk to them? Absolutely. Would they tune me out immediately? Probably. But they will listen to you. Use the gifts that God has given you. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes, just for a second. The worship team is going to come forward at this time. They're going to share a voice of invitation, a song of invitation. This morning, I hope that the singular focus that you began to come to grips with is this. Why do I continually isolate myself and not use my gifts for the kingdom of God at Pooler Bible Church? Why is it every time that volunteers are needed, I have this this pushback effect? Looking around going, surely he's not talking to me or they're not talking to me. I feel so alone. I wonder if people would accept me. I can promise you, in this place, they will. They will love you. They will care for you. They will help you grow spiritually. 
It's time to take part in. Dear Father, I come to you. Lord, first off, thankful for pious. Lord, thankful that the story that's being written in, in Rwanda has your fingerprints all over it. Lord, even the terms and how that country is healed. Lord, how the court system set up how justice would be served is straight out of Scripture. Father, the only way that a lady can be friends with the killer who killed all of her family is because of you. Father, I pray that you would be with us here. Lord, in the American culture and in the church culture, we have pushed back so much and said, let the paid staff do it. Let the people that have enough time do it. Let somebody else do it. Father, what's happened is this casual nature of church. That we're only here when we want to be here or nothing conflicts. But Lord, the church is lacking because of the involvement of your people. Father, may we use the gifts and the abilities that you've called us to, to bring glory and honor to your name, but to reach this community that's around us. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's precious and only name we pray, amen. If everybody would stand as we sing one verse of invitation, maybe the Lord has been working on your heart through Pius' testimony or whatever it is, this altar is open to you at this time.